Thank you. Wow, this is too much, guys. It's, it's too much. Someone's like, it is too much. Good morning. Hey, everybody. If we haven't met yet, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Vineyard Covington, and we're so happy that you're here this morning with us. How you feeling? Okay, good. I heard a couple goods. Um, hey, this morning, I'm going to talk about um, something called worldview. And the title of this message, which will come up on the screen, is Adopting the Worldview of Jesus. Don't worry, I'm going to explain some of it and talk about how it's relevant to our lives today. Because the question that I want to start with is, how do you look at the world? How do you think about the things that you see on a day-to-day basis? What formed the ways that you think about those things? We all have a worldview, and there are a lot of things that contribute to our worldviews. And as we follow Jesus together, we're trying to adopt his worldview. We're trying to look at the world the way he looks at the world more and more, aren't we? We're trying to look at people the way that he looks at people more and more. But it's a process, and we all have to know where we're starting before we can take steps towards where Jesus is. Does anybody want to go down that path today? All right. I got, I got two of you. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's pray. Jesus, would you come right now and uh, continue to minister to us, rest on us, open our eyes, open our ears, our hearts and minds to what you're doing today. And we just thank you for your presence in the room, Lord. Thank you. Amen. So I want to tell a quick story to get started. Um, a, a few years ago, at the height of COVID, you may remember that a lot of us were spending a lot of time on something called Zoom. Anybody remember that? Yeah, some of you are like, I'm trying to forget. Uh, it was just kind of a necessity in order for us to be able to see each other's faces and talk at that time. And so part of what... Um, Part of how my habits changed is I am part of a Bible study, and the Bible study went right to Zoom, and I helped lead the study. Anyway, that night and at the end of every study, we pray for each other. If anything is going on in your life, if you have any pain in your body, we'll, we'll pray for each other. We'll do that today, too, by the way. Um, anyway, a friend of mine said, hey, I, I need some prayer. I have an injury to my foot that happened like seven years ago, and just recently I aggravated it. Like it's been in pain off and on for seven years, and now it's like constant. And so we prayed for him, asked the Holy Spirit to come. In the moment, I can't remember noticing anything significant that changed. I couldn't remember, really. It just seemed like, you know, I'm glad we got to pray for you, and thanks for receiving some prayer. But the next day he got a hold of me, he said, the pain is all gone. The pain is gone. And I was like, that's amazing. That's awesome. And the next week at the Bible study, I'll never forget, he's, he told the story of, of this healing to his foot. And he said, you guys, God's healing on Zoom now. <laughs> right? It was, and it was true. It was kind of like, whoa. So, so what was happening there? Well, first of all, my friend's foot was healed. By the way, he told me this week, that he ran seven pain-free miles on that foot, <laughs> right? So it's, it stuck. It kept. 
<laughs> and so for some of us that were part of that Bible study, we may have not had an idea that that could even happen. It may not have been part of the way that we looked at the world, that God would break in to the here and now and take away pain. And even more importantly, a lot of us, and I'll include myself to some degree in this, didn't think it was going to happen on Zoom, right? It was like, yeah, I mean, we got to do this because we can't be together in person, but it's not going to be as good. We think about things like that, don't we? Not actively, but we're just kind of like, this is going to be fine, but not as good. And maybe God won't do anything. We don't actively think of that, but that's how we look at the world. That's how we process information. We think, if this is on a screen, it's not going to be good. So our worldviews were being shifted at that time. Um, I want to read a scripture from Romans. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 should be up on the screen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think that we all want to know what God's will is, don't we? I have a lot of people that tell me, like, I love Jesus, but I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. What's God's will for my life? And Paul kind of hints at it here. We'll come back to that. But first, let's talk about a world, what a worldview is. Because I know that's not a word that we just throw around casually all the time. So I want to give you a really basic description of that. A worldview is a set of assumptions about the nature of reality. I know, that's heavy, right? But it describes the possibilities that we'll consider when we reason through a situation. So when my friend's foot was healed on Zoom, there were different possibilities that I was considering as to how that happened. But there was probably one that I wasn't considering, that God was just going to break in, that God wasn't limited by digital media. Did you know that? God's not limited by that stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy, but it's true. But my worldview, the way I processed that, didn't have a lot of room for it. And this has happened to me more than once. So how do we get our worldviews? How do they come about? How are they shaped? How are they formed? There's a lot of reasons. I'm just going to give you a couple examples that are the most common. The way that you look at the world has a lot to do with the family that you grew up around. Makes sense, right? Whether you had siblings, whether you didn't, whether you had two parents, whether you had one, whether you maybe didn't have contact with any parents. That changes the way that you look at the world. Also, where you grew up and the culture around you, you're going to look at the world a lot different if you grew up in Covington than if you grew up in Asia, aren't you? Your culture is different. You consider things differently. And also, maybe the biggest thing is our experiences, the things that we actually experience in life. They change the way that we look at the world. They cause us to trust people or not trust people, to be generous or not generous, and a whole bunch of other things. So we're all in the same boat here, same thing. We have a worldview. We look at the world a certain way. And it's like a processing grid for life. And it's also how there can be the exact same thing that happens to two different people and they see it differently. 
they experience it differently. I'm going to tell you an example of that real fast here. So um, let's just say that we're, we're talking about the birth of a baby here, okay? And I have two, oh yeah, look at that. Look at that baby. Oh my gosh, you guys, this is my granddaughter, Benny. And I'm just looking for excuses to show her picture. But I'm also going to talk about babies, so we'll keep it up there. Try not to be too distracted. Uh, so in this scenario, we have a guy named Chris, all right? He is a, has a secular worldview, which basically means he looks at the world and doesn't consider God or religion or anything like that at all. And him and his wife approach the birth of their child from like a real scientific perspective. And when they welcome their child into the world, they view it as a miraculous event, but also that it's like entirely natural. They appreciate the processes at work, nine months of the baby growing, and the expertise of the doctors that help bring the baby into the world. And so for Chris and his wife, the beauty of childbirth lies in the human body's capacity for reproduction and modern medicine. Makes sense, right? But on the other hand, we have a, a woman named Maria. And Maria is a follower of Jesus. She believes in God's divine plan and the sanctity of life. And when her and her husband become parents, she interprets the birth of her child as a sacred, blessed event that God is involved in. She thanks God for this gift and his intervention and her plan for her family. And she finds deep spiritual significance in childbirth. So in this scenario, Chris and Maria both have a baby, but they look at it really differently, don't they? They consider how and why it happened in different ways, in different lenses. So... Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I know you're distracted by the baby. I am too. I get it. We love Benny. So why is this important? We talked about a worldview. We talked about how it can be different for different people to experience and process. Why does this matter, you may be asking yourself. Well, I'm glad that you asked. Because basically understanding better how we see the world helps us to know where we're at. So I have a, a picture here. Um, coming up of, you know how when you're at, at a mall or at a theme park or something like that, there's these maps of the whole grounds. And you're trying to get to one place, but you first have to know where you're located. And usually you walk up to one and it says, you are here, and there's like a red dot or something like that, right? So this is just a, a, an example of us needing to know where we are in order to know where we're going. Right? If you're at the mall and i got to get to the Apple store, but I'm two floors away, I need to know where I'm at in order to make my way to where I want to go. And as we follow Jesus, we want to know where we're starting from. What is our worldview? What has shaped our worldview so that we can follow after him and look at the world more like he looks at the world? It's kind of like this. And, and this is interesting for me as well. But um, so... Put on a pair of glasses for the first time and see how it changes the way you look at the world. Put on a pair of, like, blue glasses, and all of a sudden, literally everything looks different, doesn't it? Everything that you see is now blue. <laughs> or for me, it's just not as blurry, right? Which is why I wear glasses now, you guys. I'm getting old. It's just part of the deal. 
So when you put that on, it changes everything that you see. And we want to put on the colored glasses of the kingdom of God. And so if you really already have life with Jesus, this is incredibly important as we kind of assess where we're at and how we can move forward. And if you don't have life with Jesus yet, I think this is an invitation into more and into life with him to consider where we're at and where we're going. So how did Jesus look at the world? That seems like that might be the blueprint, right? Let's talk about how Jesus looked at the world. I'm just going to give you a few examples. There are a lot. Read the Gospels. They're great, okay? But here are a few examples that might help us as we follow Jesus and try to look at the world like he did. So quiet. The first is Jesus understood the character of God, the Father, in his activity in the world. John 5.17 says, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So one of the ways that we adopt the worldview of Jesus is we have a better understanding of the Father, his character, how he sees you. And by the way, he loves you so much, no matter what. He hasn't loved you any less or any more than he, has, than he does right now. But more importantly, Jesus understood that God is active in the world today that he wants to break into our daily interactions in person, on Zoom, wherever. And so he believed that he was active in the world. This helps us step into the Jesus worldview. Jesus also understood that there's more to life than what we can see with our physical eyes. Right? He acknowledged that there is a spiritual realm that is active all around us. This just means that, you know, he believed in angels and demons, and they're just part of our reality. Read the gospel. Jesus casts out a bunch of demons. This is just part of the deal. So he doesn't just see things in the natural realm. He sees in the spiritual realm. And the more that we adopt this, the more we step into Jesus' worldview. He also only did what he saw his father doing. Again, in, in John 5, he talks about that. I only do what I see the father doing. And this kind of just means that Jesus had like a dependence on the father and the Holy Spirit, or as I like to call it, an interdependence, like a mutual submission to the Trinity that he was working in, especially when he was on earth and took on the bodies that we have. He had to be even more dependent, filled with the Holy Spirit, And this conflicts directly with the way we see the world in the United States, I think. Like, think about this. In the United States, we really prioritize independence, don't we? Right? Or autonomy, like, don't tell me what to do. Jesus says, the way I look at the world has a lot to do with being interdependent, be dependent on each other. This is also what we're striving for as a church, to be dependent on each other in our house groups, in our gatherings, and beyond that. Does that make sense? Jesus also had a worldview that said that leaders should be servants. This conflicts directly with the way that 
we operate in the world. For the most part, leadership has a lot to do with gaining power or money. And Jesus in Matthew 20 says directly to the disciples, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And at the end, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, this is an operation or opposition to the way that the world sees leadership. Do these things make sense? There's probably 20 more we could go through, but I just wanted to highlight a few as we think about what was Jesus' mindset when he walked the earth? And how can we get closer to that? These are some examples. All right, quick, quick summary. We all have a way we look at the world. It's shaped by our past and our experiences. And we want to look at the world more like Jesus did, and these are some ways that we can step into it. Jesus also was a worldview challenger. He challenged people's worldviews when he was on earth and challenges ours today. I want to give one example of that. It's from Luke 8, verses 9 and 10. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's really good. You should read all of Luke 8. It's, it's great. Jesus is telling a parable, telling a story. And it's the parable of the sower. And at the end, they ask him, like, what does this mean? We don't really get it. And so um, in Luke 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 10, Jesus says in response, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And I think that one of the ways to interpret this is Jesus is commenting on the disciples' hunger and time with him. And the more that that's happening, the more they're changing the way that they look at the world the more they're becoming like him. Good news is that secrets or mysteries aren't things we can't figure out, right? Jesus doesn't say, you guys got it figured out, no one else is ever going to get it. He just says, these things have been revealed to you, and it's really, I think it has a lot to do with their hunger, their intentionality to press in and just be interested in what he's doing, to literally live with him 24-7. And so he says, As you begin to press in, as you begin to spend time with me, you'll begin to understand my parables. You'll begin to understand my life in different ways. And again, Jesus challenges our worldview all the time. My story at the beginning about my friend was a challenge to many people's worldview that were listening to that or that were part of that experience. And this is really important. I think this is a good summary after we talked about Jesus' worldview. Basically, the way that Jesus looked at the world is that God is involved in every part of our world and in everything that we do. And God interacting in supernatural ways is expected by people with this worldview. That's where we want to get, isn't it? Like, don't you want to be the person that when healing happens or supernatural stuff breaks in, that you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, great. Instead of, like, the mind-blowing thing. Like, wouldn't you rather be surprised when it doesn't happen? 
what, wait a minute, what? You're not healed? Okay, let's pray again. <laughs> right? That's what we want. That's what we're leaning into with intentionality. Okay. Put the next slide up, please. So what does this mean for you and me? How do we actually do it? Let's get practical. How do we actually step into this? This is a pathway that might help us a little bit. And don't get bogged down in it, okay? I'm going to do my best to simplify it. But it's basically four different levels of worldview awareness as we lean more towards the one I just described that is Jesus' worldview. The first is unconsciously unaware. And this is the place where you don't even have an understanding that God's involved in the world. It's not even a question mark. And this is the where, where a lot of people in the United States live. Like, it's not even up for debate. They just look at things totally through a secular lens, and it's not even possible. But the next stage is what is called consciously unaware. This is when you begin to have awareness that your worldview isn't the whole story. There's a hunger to experience more and know more of what's out there. And you see that you've been ruling out a lot, especially like supernatural stuff like healing. And so you're kind of like, okay, something's up here. I'm kind of conscious that I've been unaware of some things. Consciously aware is the third stage. And I think this is probably where most of us are camping out today. And this is a place where we're understanding and embracing the worldview of Jesus. We're learning, and we begin to see the world through a different lens. And as a result, we start to act differently. But it requires pressing in. It requires intentionality. This is a really good place, and a lot of us are here today. But what we want to get to is unconsciously aware, which is that the worldview of Jesus becomes our natural processing grid, and it doesn't require effort or focus. If you're there today, by the way, let's talk later. I want to I get some tips. Because that's hard, isn't it? The air we breathe is different. The culture that we live in feeds us something totally different than the worldview of Jesus. Let's jump back to Romans 12. So much in these two verses in Romans 12, isn't there? So much. I just want to zone in on verse 2. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so one thing to mention here is like Paul's writing this letter to the Romans, and basically the first 11 chapters are him talking about all the things that Jesus did and has done all the miraculous things that have been laid before us. And at chapter 12, he starts to talk about how to actually apply it to our lives. So it's like, all right, now that you know this, in view of God's mercy, and I think also that when we talk about being transformed by the renewing of our minds, it has a lot to do with our worldviews. The renewing of your mind can be a shift in your worldview, can it? It can be a healing of your worldview. When you think about the way that you look at the world, not all of it's bad. A lot of it's helpful. But there are things about it that conflict with the ways of Jesus, right? And those are the things that we want to get healing for and repent for, turn the other direction. And we've all got them. 
And a large step towards this transformation of our worldview has to do with openness and humility. A large step. Are you open today? Is there humility in your approach, in your posture as you listen and learn? And if you're stuck, it's usually because you believe you've already seen things accurately. And maybe you don't want to change. And if that's true, you won't. <laughs> right? But if we recognize our perception is not all there is to life, and we open ourselves up to what God is saying and how he's directing us, we position ourselves to receive the clarity that God wants to bring. So openness and humility is huge when we think about shifting our worldview and adopting the worldview of Jesus. And like I said before, as we follow Jesus and adopt his worldview, our minds are renewed or healed or transformed. I love the word transform there. The ancient Greek word is metamorphu, which describes a metamorphosis like changing from caterpillar to butterfly type stuff, right? And many of us have stepped on that path already and taken a few steps in that direction. And that's so good, and I have more news for you. There is more. There is more for you. And it starts today. That transformation, that healing continues today for so many of us. Are we tracking? We together? You're so quiet, and I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Such a patient, quiet, attentive group. That's either, that means you're really zoned in or you're just sleeping. So I'm going with zoned in. All right. We're going to um, step into some time of, of ministry right now. So could you stand up? So... Great news, God wants to meet with you today. No matter where you're at on these pathways or how you see the world, Jesus is inviting you into more today. Whether you're stage one, three, you know, negative one, whatever, however you see things, Jesus is saying, follow me, follow me. And so there's a few things that I think are coming to mind for me that I want, I want to mention when it comes to receiving prayer. The first is that some of you want or need prayer for openness to seeing things the more like Jesus does. It's pretty simple. If you want to see things the way Jesus sees them better, you cannot do it on your own. You can't just pray more. That helps. But you need ministry from other people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to encourage and strengthen and comfort you. That's part of why we gather together in a room like this. It's why we make time for the Holy Spirit to minister. Some of us just want to take that first step today. So I just want to say to you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, or if you want to recommit your life to Jesus today, this is as good of an opportunity as I can think of. And so we're going to give you that opportunity today. Also, there's, I think, uh, just general prayer for that renewing of your mind, not only in the way we're talking about it, like changing worldviews, 
But I think prayer for just mental health as well is something that I think some of us need to receive today, right? That's a different type of renewing of our minds, but it's just as important, isn't it? So we're going to do something a little bit different right now, and it's going to be great, all right? If those things, any of those things describe you, which if I'm being honest, it probably should describe everybody. But that's all right. You might not want to receive prayer today. There's no pressure. I just want you to raise your hand right now. No one's going to know which one it is for you. So you can raise your hand. Okay. Those of you that don't have your hands raised, thank you for being on the prayer team right now. That's right. You're on the prayer team right now. If you don't have your hands raised, if you do keep them up, So look around at those with their hands raised and move towards them right now and ask if you can pray with them, okay? They can give you the reason why they have their hand raised, but they don't have to. They can just say, I'd love to receive prayer, okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, prayer team. You got this, y'all. You got this. And as that begins, I'm just going to invite more of the Holy Spirit's presence right now. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you rest on everyone that is receiving prayer today? We thank you for your presence here, and we ask for more. So let's just stay in this for a few minutes together.